0: This is PT Meal Podcast, where we ingest and digest physical therapy information from physical therapists around the world with a Filipino twist, with your host, Johan De La Paz, a Filipino physical therapist who has worked in different practice settings from the Philippines and here in the U.S. Let's indulge and satisfy our cravings to learn and be inspired Welcome back to BT Meal Podcast, a buffet of play, therapies, movement, exercises, activities, and leisure all packed in a hearty conversation of physical therapy, profession, and practice with the Filipino flavor. I am Yohan De La Paz, your host. Welcome again to The Banquet. Again, for those who have, uh, for those who are here for the first time, uh, this podcast is available in your favorite podcast streaming apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and many more. Let me know if you're using a podcast app that VPN is not there so that I can you know, you know do something about that. You can also watch uh, most of the full episodes and live streams on YouTube. If you want to and if you want to stay updated on fresh episodes, interview snippets, research abstracts or infographics, follow us in uh, Uh, Social media in Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and uh, Twitter. Check out also uh, our merch in Etsy. Search for PT Mail Shop, one word, at etsy.com. And uh, help us um, go buy our merch. And that would really help the the podcast uh, to help me sustain it. It's quite expensive to have a podcast, actually, just one person. So, and if you also want to sponsor a, a podcast, uh, the podcast, uh, please reach out to me um, And any comments and suggestions. You can email me at uh, ptmailpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me a, a DM or private message in my social media. So all the links and the content are available in the website ptmealpodcast.com. All right. So let's go. So, for today's episode, um, I don't have a guest. Uh, This is one of those solo episodes that I usually do from time to time. So today, I am going to talk about a setting uh, I currently work in. The setting I currently work in, it's a forensic psychiatric hospital. So this episode is not related to my work, but it's a part of my passion in spreading awareness about the different areas of practice in our profession and at the same time introduce the setting as an opportunity for research collaboration if there are researchers who want to collaborate with me and um, ignite interest uh in other physical therapists that we can also work or we also have some work in 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 this type of setting okay so let's start so, I um, organized this uh, episode like a, an FAQ, so uh, frequently asked questions. Whenever a colleague um, finds out that I, I work in a forensic psychiatric hospital, these are the questions that they usually ask me. And I've kind of gotten um, good in how I answer them. Um, so, um for for this episode that is what i'm gonna do share with you those questions and the answers i usually give them okay first question is why is it called forensic okay um we when we heard when we hear about forensics we we remember or we think about uh the tv shows like csi um, you know forensic investigations. Um, DNA, crime stuff like that. But if we look at the definition in the dictionary, forensic is anything relating to courts of law. Um, and if we go to what forensic psychi- psychiatry is, it's a clinical subspecialty that is concerned with helping people who have mental disorder, who present a risk or a significant risk and, and may have been in trouble with the law. So those who have... Um, pending cases who have been tried or ha- not have been tried because of their um, uh, mental disorder. So in the hospital, what uh, the patients are usually there for is, or, or what the doctors are there for is to determine if uh, the patients are fit to be released in the community, if they're fit to be released in, uh, in a supervised home, um, or if they're uh, supposed to go back to the prison, to prison, or if they're um, competent to stand trial. So I could think of two types of settings in in this, you know, forensic bubble, which is the psychiatric hospital and the correctional. Right. So in in both settings, there 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 are physical therapists. So there are physical therapists in prison. So but what we're going to focus on here is the forensic psychiatric hospital where I'm working at. Right. So next question I usually get asked is how many of the patients you see have psychiatric diagnosis? Well, the simple answer is all of them. Okay. So they won't be there if they don't have any um, psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, They might be sent to a different hospital if they need, you know, medical attention, but primarily they're in the psychiatric hospital because they are in need of psychiatric help um most of um the common conditions that i usually encounter are um you know schizophrenia schizoaffective disorders post-traumatic stress disorders bipolar disorders neurocognitive disorders anxiety disorders disruptive behaviors among others so they do present with you know uh, some of them do present with psychotic symptoms some of them do present with maladaptive behaviors and for most of them they don't present with you know physically present with uh any symptoms okay but they do are but they're aware of their diagnosis they're being medicated so uh and all that. Um, so there. Um <laughs> so the next question would be like, who do you treat in 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 that hospital? So I usually answer this, I, I borrow this answer from a, a video I saw. Um, I think it's a conference by the World Physio Physiotherapy Organization, the SIG for mental health. Um, there was a, a lady that said that in mental health and psychiatric settings, physical therapists um, usually handle three patients. Those who have complaints unrelated to their diagnosis, those who have complaints that may be associated with their psych, um, psych, psychiatric diagnosis, and uh, those who treat their psychiatric or mental disorders um, in this setting uh, I don't I don't treat the, the patients that uh, because of their psych diagnosis. I usually treat them because of impairments that may may or may not be related to their diagnosis or treat uh, them uh, due to impairments that are totally not, Related to their psych diagnosis, for example, um, I would see. Sometimes I would see patients who had uh, a fall. <laughs> uh, they had they had hip surgery. Then they had they need physical therapy, or p- patients who have been uh, injured in sports, ankle sprain, and had to you know be immobilized or. Uh, ankle fractures or you know overuse symptoms overuse of shoulder and stuff like that so injuries uh from playing some sports while they're there and um, some um conditions that i see them that may be related to their psych diagnosis might be chronic pain so that's uh the biggest thing um falls probably uh due to uh, uh, the the their um, side effects of their medication. So that's really common as well. The most common, um, what do you call it? side effect of um antipsychotics, uh, is um drug induced Parkinsonism or uh, tardive dyskinesia. So that is probably one of you know the most interesting um aspects of being a physical therapist in a psych um psych setting is to be on the lookout of, on those symptoms right away and make sure that we collaborate with the other um, professionals in the team then the, the next question will be what is the role of the physical therapist there as i mentioned it's basically the same um we assess we treat the patients their physical impairments and disability that may be related to their mental or behavioral condition, may or may not be related. Um, we also help, you know, with their physical function and mobility and overall health. Uh, you know, we develop specific plans for them, individuals' plans. We monitor their progress. We collaborate, as I've mentioned, with other members of the healthcare team, specifically um your psychiatrist your psychologist your primary care physicians uh, or um nurse practitioners your social workers um recreational therapists um dance therapists art therapists exercise therapists occupational therapists speech language pathologists uh dietitians and nutritionists and of course your psych techs so there this is a, a uh, multimodal uh, multidisciplinary approach to their care. So everyone is pitching in to help these patients um, improve and get better. So how complex are the patients? So as I've mentioned, um, the the most common you know conditions that they have are you know um, psychiatric conditions, schizophrenia, Uh, Bipolar disorder and your cognitive disorders, they they would present with um, behavior, um, maladaptive behaviors, psychosis, you know, hallucinations, uh, so mood, um, lability, changes in their, you know, cognitive and mental status. um, Again, medication side effects and, and other medical comorbidities so uh it's important to recognize those behaviors and uh to be able to adapt to how the patient is presenting at a specific time uh, of the visit so what i usually do um when i see a patient before i see a patient i go to the the nurses or the staff first and see how the patient is at that time sometimes they they're okay sometimes they're not and You know, when if if they're in not in a good place, then we reschedule. You know, Uh, the important thing there is that they're being medicated. They're being seen by their um, other professionals, by the other um, members of the healthcare team. And when they're fit and they're good to be seen for their physical impairments, then I'll, I'll come in. Then we'll talk. So, is it challenging to treat patients in this population? I would say yes and no. For um, yes, because of those um, other factors, the psychological factors, psychiatric disorders, uh, psychological symptoms um, that presents the challenge. Okay. Sometimes um, I would encounter patients that are manipulative patients who are malingering Uh, so that presents that a lot of challenge there because um with their you know you you want to acknowledge the the patient's subjective complaints but at the same time you also wanna um see if you are there your presence there would be beneficial for the patient if you're there to feed on the patient's you know manipulation into their attention seeking behavior then probably you're not there as, as something that is good for them but the challenge there is knowing what role and part you can do for the patient if that is talking to them through their you know uh, pain or explain them how their condition is affecting them then that is good you know in, in my practice before here i've you know it we i don't usually encounter patients who are malingering uh patients who have something to gain to get physical when they get physical therapy but um here you know you get uh, those kinds of patients and you have to determine how much help you can give and how much of your time will be beneficial for you and for the patient. Um, so that is where, you know, that that interest came um, when I started working here and I got to dive into what is, you know, how would you determine malingering? Um, patients it's really a hard you know hard thing to do uh but you have to work closely with the other um, members of the healthcare team that sees the patient more often than you so in the unit there are patients uh, there are um you know staff that stays there you know they have specific uh, nurses there psych techs um their own psychiatrists, psychologists. So they're really closely monitored. And I'm the one that, you know, comes in, comes out, doesn't stay in one unit, goes around the hospital. So it's important to get the, get the input of the staff and the, the, the overall picture of the patient. Maybe in my session, the patient keeps on complaining about his back pain and it's 10 over 10. But the, the but the the doctor the psych techs the nurses would see the patient, you know, running in the courtyard and stuff like that. So your the approach would be different for those. So that's where the challenge lies. You want to be respectful to what the patient is, you know, saying, but also seeing up to where, you know, the the benefits of your vet visits would be um that's where the challenge is sometimes no I, I, sometimes it's not really challenging sometimes it's you just see a patient as you normally see in an outpatient facility you know patient comes in um you know uh tell you that there's uh, a complaint patient is very agreeable in performing that uh treatment doing the home exercise program and that's it and then you go easy peasy so it 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 varies in days it varies in patients so it's it's i think that's what's interesting in this kind of uh setting uh what do you treat them for okay so i've mentioned that you know uh i see sometimes you know see patients due to their physical impairments that may or may not be related to their uh, psychiatric conditions so the referral that i get i usually um categorize them in four, four boxes um, or you know four groups first is pain next is weakness or limitation of motion third is false risk or or, or 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 gait instability and last is post-op cases most of my patients fall under the category of pain a lot of um, patients are complaining of pain um, low back pain, shoulder pain, knee pain, and hip pain is the top you know, top three, four of those complaints. Uh, that is where my interest in, you know, pain neuroscience comes in now. So, how are you able to educate the patient that there are multiple factors that are um, affecting their chronic pain? Mental health is one of them, there's stress, you know. Um, sleep hygiene uh, nutrition and, and and physical activity and stuff like that so it's it going inside the patient's psyche which could affect their pain and the challenge there is sometimes patients are amenable to those um, uh, education sometimes they accept it and sometimes it's hard for them to accept that you know, they can do something about it, about their pain. Um, Some patients would still stick to that um, idea that this pain should be fixed by someone else, right? Um, So that is what, you know, uh, closely working with the psychiatrist and the psychologist would be helpful um, to see how they and or oh, how you all can help uh, the patient, um, you know, uh, with their you know behaviors, mood, and attitude towards pain and uh, their disability, and hopefully that you know everyone um, you know that that helps out the patient and 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 see to it that you know you empower the patient to take charge of their health um weakness limitation of motion sometimes you see that with older adults uh who don't want to do anything anymore um so primarily uh that would be uh again dealing with behavior sometimes they really don't want to do anything anymore they just live you know life through it they eat then they sleep they stay in their room and that's it so um this you know this patients uh people in this population have the capacity that this the, they can decide on their care they can they have the right to refuse um services if they don't want to and the only way to overturn that is through court decisions and uh, it there are certain requirements, I, I guess, to have that overturned. But generally, if a patient doesn't want to do anything, you can't force that patient. So next is how do I how do I treat the patients? Um, well, I, I treat them just like any other patient I see in any other setting. You know, I, I review the referral, go to their charts, and. Look at the notes of the doctor, the notes of the uh, other disciplines. See the history, um, evaluate the patient, assess the patient, uh, do some tests. You know, talk to the patient about you know kind of care, goals, and stuff like that. So I guess the only difference or um, unique. About the approach here in this type of setting is that you apply, you know, psychological um, principles or approaches in, in your evaluation and in your treatment. So we've heard before, you know, psychologically informed physical therapy, which is um, a multimodal um, approach to to the care that incorporates you know behavioral strategies for um from you know from the mental health um realm or or scene applied into physical therapy practice so um usually uh you know uh you, you would be applying those things um in my hospital what Our thrust is, our approach, that we're promoting is trauma-informed care. Um, There are six principles, key principles of trauma-informed care. Um, Safety, trustworthiness and transparency, peer support and um, collaboration, um, empowerment, um, and cultural, um, historical, and gender issues. So, you know, as, as, a, as a healthcare professional, you have to provide them um, a safe environment for them to, uh, you know, open up to you, you know, uh, build trust in them, uh, be transparent with them. If you're going to say something, do it. You have to collaborate with them, empower them to work with you and not just, you know, you telling them what to do. You know you collaborate them with them on in terms of um, goal setting you let them choose what they want to do so sometimes Um, I would offer my patients okay what do you what what do you want to do today do you want to do some balance drills or do you want to do some strengthening drills or stuff like that so in in collaboration you can ask like uh, what do you want to achieve uh, for physical therapy what is it that you want to do at the end of our therapy uh sometimes they would say that i just i just want to be i just want to walk without you know without my walker or i want to be able to run again or i want to be able to work out again because my shoulder's hurting and stuff like that so you have to learn um what their uh purpose is it is doing that and that's part of Probably motivational interviewing is you try to elicit and you know explore the the person's um, interest in in creating you know change and being able to comply to you. Um, so in trauma informed care, there's also the three R's of of you know yeah TAC. What are these three R's? You have first is um, realizing um so realizing that um realization of of what trauma is and what it all what it it is all about and how it could affect certain people or your patient specifically you have to also first is realize next is recognize you have to recognize the science um uh sometimes science would be like Withdrawing or um, being skeptic or untrust, untrusting. So those things. So you sometimes you have to realize that recognize those stuff and not take it against the patient. That that those things might be their, you know, coping mechanism. There that might be their behavior because of the trauma. So you really have to, you know, reach out to patients and not like dismiss it again dismiss them right away because of those um, signs next is responding to the signs of trauma to be you know appropriate uh, respond them appropriately to be still calm to show them that they are safe in in your presence to build trust to collaborate with them empower them make them choose you know, and last is to um, resist re-traumatizing. So, um, if you have you know recognized that the signs and trauma of trauma is triggered by this line of questioning, then, then try to avoid those line of questioning. Try to move on to a different one. Um, sometimes you you'll um, encounter I encounter patient with you know delusions of grandeur. Um, sometimes they they they're they're patients who are um, just pers- persevering, persevering, <laughs> or, or keep on repeating. Um, what do you call this? Statements and um, stories, and sometimes, you know, it, it's just their you know um, diagnosis or their disorder. Sometimes it's their habits, their emotions. That might be their their Trying to cope. So you have to, you know, recognize that, try to be firm to redirect them, prompt them to where they, you know, want them to be at that time. Sometimes in building trust, you have to sometimes ride with their stories. Um I had a patient that uh is, is telling me that he is uh the son of God. So how do you, how do you approach that? So, <laughs> so you just let the patient, you know, talk about that. Um, sometimes I don't give in, because that might hype them up. So and sometimes I just redirect them. So it's important to, you know, not shut them down right away. Let them speak their piece. Let them, you know, put it out there show concern towards them, don't show um you know skepticism or you know uh, dismiss them right away, don't make faces and stuff like that. So yeah, knowledge of the patient is a person. And and again and I guess that's the most important thing there. Um recognize that they have um a disorder um and you are there as their advocate as someone who is there to help them okay so what interventions do i employ or use in this setting so as i said it's basically the same No, um i do you know therapy exercises therapeutic activities your education balance gait training um manual therapy if i needed to um uh i i rarely use modalities um but the most important thing there is patient education because you are empowering them you are trying to teach them not to depend on you for treatment uh so home exercises is a, a big part of treatment if i have something that is you know uh you know self-stretching self-exercises and stuff like that then that's primary thing that i would teach them so that they would take hold of their health and not rely on anyone so so it's just a matter of being creative with them again when you're talking to them knowing what you know what their reasons are uh, and what would make them compliant and amenable to that change so that's the is it safe there yeah, so orientation uh process you would be given all the safety um orientation you get, you'll get, you be given you know the, the safety training self-defense training um how to take care of yourself while inside the hospital um and hopefully and 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 hopefully you'll be ready to whatever is coming um safety wise um everyone in the hospital has um an alarm alarm <laughs> uh personal uh, duress alarm when you pull that it sets out an alarm by itself to make noise and also signals the uh, control center that you are in uh in 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 an incident and they would announce your presence and that you know your location to everyone so anyone who is near you would approach you so it has a gps it knows your location so anyone who is near you would rush towards you and make sure that you're safe okay um at the same time, there is also uh, security inside the hospital. Um, there are roaming, you know, going around. Security is all, you know, roaming around. There are security close to the unit so that in case of, you know, um, incidents like that, you, then they could come in and help out. Um, i fortunately in my two years there i haven't been in a situation like that but i've in my state and i've uh, heard of you know staff being attacked um punched, kicked um round by their wheelchairs bitten and stuff like that so it's whenever i hear those stories It it brings me back that, yes, I am working in this type of situation where inpatients can can do that um, or things like that may happen. So it keeps your guard up and be more, you know, vigilant of your surroundings. Like, do not put your back, uh, you know... uh, do not face away from the door because you don't know, you know, who's behind you. Um, don't back yourself up in a corner. Don't lock yourself in with uh, a patient. Uh, make sure that someone knows you're there. If uh, you know if you need security, then make sure that someone is with you. So stuff like that. So it can be dangerous, but. Uh, there are safety measures in place and hopefully that you know those things can would not be happened to anyone. Um yeah, but again we're talking about the human mind and it can you know go in different places. So um yeah, but everyone's looking after each other. Um I personally I feel safe going around the units. Um But yeah, but hearing about those incidents that happened with other staff, you know, it brings you back to reality that you're working in a, um, you know, complex hospital. All right. So I hope that gave you some insight, uh, a glimpse of what working in a um, forensic psychiatric hospital is like. Um, it's for me it's exciting it's it's interesting to see different behaviors and moods it keeps you on your toes Um, (laughs) uh, sometimes it's easy sometimes it's not sometimes it's rewarding because there are patients there that uh, would say to me that you know what, you're the first person I talked to here that really uh, uh, explained to me what I could be feeling. So stuff like that. I mean, we are, you know, not to, not to this other profession, but we are in a good place to sit down with patients, to talk to them out about their condition, even if that is the only um, treatment that you're going to Provide for that day, that is, you know, that is skilled because you're the one talking about it. You're specifying what the patient is feeling, experiencing, and sometimes, you know, with their psyche, um, psychiatric diagnosis, they're very fearful of what they're doing. They are afraid of what's going to happen, and them, sometimes they're anxious. They just need to th- that reassurance, you know that they are being acknowledged and they're being seen they're being heard um and and that patient of mine was able to um grasp that you know um there are factors that could affect his uh chronic pain that the best days that he has would be that uh, that his pain is you know down to a one or two and he realized he realizes that it's not going to go away but i can manage it and he found out that you know if he's more stressed he doesn't eat well or he's lacking sleep that he noticed that his pain is more or has increased so learning about that learning about pain talking about it and and, and realizing what affects his pain really helped him out until he was discharged from that hospital. So at least we have, you know, what uh, a good place in in the uh, psych world, around realm in seeing patients about their physical impairments. Okay, so there. Um, if you're interested in 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 uh hearing more about that kind of setting my uh forensic psychiatric hospital or if you're interested to connect with me and and you know talk about it more uh just send me a um private message an email here in uh, podcast at gmail.com send me a private message in social media and we'll talk more okay i hope uh this you know opens it open um our eyes and the possibility in our role in mental health and psychiatric settings, and you know behavioral settings as well. Uh, we're you know we're not just f- dealing with physical, the physical aspect of, of of our patient, but also their psychological and behavior. We're not just helping them move, but we're helping them change their behavior as well. All right, so catch the next episodes. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm sure of it. You're going to like it. Um again our social media, PT Meal podcast, everything's with Meal podcast. All right, until next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to PT Meal podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, please follow the podcast social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests uh, of the show, you can reach me through all the podcast social media accounts or through the website, www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com. Alright, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Just a reminder folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show.